The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome in to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Uh, your host, Mark Slareth, here with my co-host, Mike Evans. Scott DeHuff, producer extraordinaire, is out with a hip injury. Um, he should be back uh, after he gets done nursing it. Um, what a soft. He's so soft. But anyhow, it's all right. He's still going to put it together. I do this just because we're going to send him this, and then he's going to produce it, and um, it's going to hurt his feelings, and then that's okay. It doesn't bother me. You know what he should be doing right now? should be hydrating. That's what he should be doing. And you can hydrate your huddle with core pH-balanced water. I'd like to thank core for being the – uh, presenting sponsor of the podcast, it's ultra-purified, balanced with electrolytes to match your body's natural pH of 7.4. That's where your body does its best work. Look at me. <laughs> My work is getting done, for crying out loud. It's because I'm on core water. That's what Scott should be drinking. Help him recover from that hip surgery he just had. Wide mouth bottle. It's easy to hydrate with a wide mouth bottle. Great for your workouts. Great for going on a walk. Great for whatever it is. You do, and now you can find Core Water with the big blue cap at your local 7-Eleven. Core pH balanced water. Learn more at hydratewithcore.com. Mike, I'm I'm telling you what, man. Like yesterday, the news broke about Le'Veon Bell and the fact that he did not report to the Steelers, and something happened that I have never seen happen before. These offensive linemen lost their minds. And normally offensive linemen don't talk. And and they certainly, you know, when talking about their bell cow running back, they you don't normally hear these kind of things. It was really kind of stunning. Here are some of the quotes. Marquise Pouncey, quote, If you don't want to be here, it is what it is. Hold out 10 weeks. But now that he didn't report, obviously it's Le'Veon over the Steelers, and we're the Steelers, and we're going to play as the Steelers. Now when it comes game time and you – have that $14 million looming out there and you're still not here and your team really wants you? At this point, we got Connor. And then you got uh, Ramon Foster, who also came out, and he didn't back off at all. He was talking about uh, the absence, and you know he basically said the, the same thing. So Yeah, you don't want to be here? Don't be here. Hey, you know what? He said, quote, in the ultimate team sport, we've created a league of individuals. I know the league is all about your money. Get paid. I love it. But at least let us know you weren't coming. As a, as a former offensive lineman, are you? what's your reaction to these kind of comments? My, I, I, am, I am shell-shocked that there is an unwritten rule in football, and you don't talk publicly about another man's money. You don't, you support your teammates because you know, ultimately, Mike, if it comes between you and the team, you're getting screwed. One of, you know, one of the first meeting that I ever was a part of, and I appreciated it so much. The first meeting I ever was a part of was as a member of the Denver Broncos. I had signed here 
I had come here as a free agent from Washington. And we have an offensive line meeting. And Alex Gibbs, the first time I've ever been introduced to the legendary zone-blocking guru, Alex Gibbs. And Alex Gibbs stood in front of our offensive line meeting room. And he said, and there's some foul language in here, so if you don't like it, like I, I usually try not to use this word, but I'm going to use it because it, it adds to the story because it's true. This is a true story. He said, listen, man, we're going to be great. We're going to play hard for one another. We're going to be the hardest working group from not only the standpoint of going out on the field, but also here in the classroom. There's nobody that will outwork us on this team or any other team. Like we are going to be great and we are going to play hard for one another. And I'm never going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. I will be the hardest working guy as far as the offensive line coach in this league. And we're going to support one another and we're going to go out here and play our asses off for one another. Because just understand this and do not forget it. If it comes between you and the team, I'll fuck you. You understand that? You're getting fucked. And, like, again, I don't like to use the language, but I was like, oh, my gosh, I can play for this guy because it was honest. I mean, you think about this. Think about the way this league is constructed. Everybody will sit and say, well, you know, honor your contract, Le'Veon Bell. Like, you're being selfish. And there were several of the offensive linemen that said he's being selfish. Honor your contract. One, Last time I checked, he never signed his he, he never signed his franchise tender, meaning he has no contract. Okay? He doesn't have a contract. Number 2 on that deal is when does the league ever honor their contracts? By the way, Dan Bailey, kicker for the Dallas Cowboys, is the second most accurate kicker in the history of the National Football League. He was due 3.4 million dollars agreed to signed contract it was it was done. And the Cowboys cut him. Why? Well, we really don't want to pay you three point four million dollars, so we're cutting you, and we're using a rookie kicker that's never kicked in the NFL before. So we got rid of our Pro Bowl second most accurate kicker in the history of the NFL because we didn't want to pay him. Where are all the people standing on the table going honor your contract? So there's an unwritten rule. You never, ever talk about another man's money. And for the offensive line to come out and talk about Le'Veon Bell's money, is it's mind-boggling to me. And, and there's two things that I would say. One, the reason you don't talk about it is you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. So what if his agent came to him and said, hey, listen, here's the deal. It doesn't happen often, but we can trade a franchise-tagged player. And that franchise tag player can actually negotiate a contract with the new team. So what if his agent is going, keep your mouth shut, don't report. I know you were going to report, but I got a deal on the table with whoever. And we might be able to move you and get you the long-term security that you desire. And you wouldn't know that as a member of the offensive line. Even if you said, hey, man, I'm coming in on Tuesday and all of a sudden Tuesday night... Or, or Monday night, your agent calls you and goes, dude, we got a, a deal in place. Don't do anything. Keep your mouth shut. Lay low. And you're gonna and you're gonna put him out on public blast like that? Like that's completely uh, but again, it, it's completely it, it's unheard of. But Mike, 
for me, it's the reason the Steelers aren't going to win anything. Oh, they'll win a lot of games because they're super talented. But when push comes to shove and they have to face New England in the playoffs, they'll get rolled over. You know, they'll have to tuck their tail between their legs and legs and, and hike up their skirt and they're just going to get beat down. And, and it comes to this, you've got a lack of discipline a lack of emotional maturity on your football team. Whose fault is that? It starts with the head coach. Damn right. I mean, it starts with the head coach when, or, or when during a, a, a kickoff return against the Baltimore Ravens, he tried to trip. Remember that? Stuck his foot out there? Like, it's it. the lack of discipline, you know, whether it's an Instagram photo or a blow-up on the sideline or your head coach trying to trip somebody, there is just a lack of emotional maturity on that football team. Arguably the most talented football team in the last five years, and what do they have to show for it? Here, here's why. This is a perfect example of why Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh and New England's New England, and why Bill Belichick is Mike Tomlin's daddy. Is because how do you think Belichick would have handled something like this? Oh. He'd have got up in front of the team. He'd be like, "I don't want to hear a word about Le'Veon Bell." As far as I'm concerned, Le'Veon Bell isn't even on this football team. We're going with the guys we've got. And if you're asked about Le'Veon Bell, you just say, hey, we hope it works out, but James Conner's our guy. Right. We're ready to go out. It's all about this week's hey, opponent. Hey, we're here to focus on the Browns. Right. And the Browns have we're on made— We're Cleveland. Right. The, yeah, exactly. The Browns have made you know some strides, and you know they're, like, they're, they're a talented football team, and they're trying to figure it out, and they're a hungry football team because they're 1-31 in the last two years. Like, we got a work cut out for us playing the Browns. That's what we're focused on. We're focused on the guys that are in this locker room. But you know that head coach didn't address his players. He didn't sit there and say, hey, guys, here's the deal. Le'Veon's not here. We're trying to work a deal. You know, we're, we're trying to get him in. Uh, but let's just focus on the guys that are here, and let's just keep our mouths shut. But, no, they they just don't. As a football team, man, I, I just am. They're just like, too loose. It's too loose. It's too undisciplined. It's too fragmented. The, and the fact, uh, like the fact that it was offensive linemen, mm. like the, that breaks all the the secret mushroom society offensive linemen rules. Like the fact that you would do that. Uh, all right, okay. Then here, here's a, here's a question. Right. Then here's a mm-hmm. question that just comes to mind: Can there be a happy ending between the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell, or is this thing just dragged on so long and, and there's so much? bad feeling and resentment that's built up over the last couple of years because this thing just keeps on getting kicked down the road. Have we now arrived at the point where they can't go back? I don't believe there's any... Both sides. I don't believe that there's any way that this, that, you know, that even if Le'Veon Bell sits out for 10 weeks and comes back, that there's any kumbaya. Like, he's responded on... Le'Veon Bell responded on Instagram, and it was just like shell shock, like I am. Like, really? This is where we are? So I th- I think this is a divorce, um, irreconcilable differences. I just don't think. Where do you go from here? Seriously, where do you go from here? I don't think there's. I don't think there's all of a sudden. Hey, it's going to be okay, guys. First off, your organization told you, and and I, Mike, I completely understand that the running back position is such that you don't feel comfortable comfortable making a long term investment in a guy. And especially a guy that's had an injury, a guy that's had suspensions, you know, you don't feel comfortable. And I get that. 
I, I completely understand it. But when you roll out the seven, the, the five-year, $70 million contract and act like your guy is, is just turning down this big-time contract, and, and I don't care, like, well, he's going to get, you know, 30-some-odd million if he just plays through two years. I don't care. The fact that Todd Gurley got $21 million, $22 million guaranteed in the first year and they were only willing to guarantee Le'Veon Bell $10 million in the first year, I don't know where you're from, but the difference, the $12 million difference in year one, in my world, is a lot of money. In my world, that's genera- generational changing money. Now, I don't know what your world says, and I know a lot of fans are like, $10 million is, I mean, you know, but the Steelers weren't going to cut him, so, you know, he's going to make $30 million. Yeah, what, what if, you know, what if he has a Teddy Bridgewater injury and, and essentially almost loses his leg? Hey, man, tough break. Hope it works out for you in the future. Good luck to you. Like, the way they did him in the first place shows you that they don't, they don't really want him there. And the way the offensive line, I'm just like, I am sick, literally sick to my stomach over Marquise Pouncey, Ramon Foster, even DeCastro. The fact that you would even go out there with that, again, just shows me that, that yeah, you got talent to win a lot of games and you're going to win a lot of games because you've got that much talent. But, um, boy, they, they just... They don't have championship um, character in my mind. Well, okay, let's uh, let's easily segue then with a team that we know has championship caliber. Here we go. Season starts. Got the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. Hosting Atlanta NFL kickoff Thursday. Here we go. Uninterrupted NFL football until early February with the Super Bowl. I'm so happy, so pleased, but. I I don't know. There's there's something about the Eagles that it's been it's been such a great off season for them. The Philly special, Philadelphia championship starved city. This team de- de- delivered. This team had a great time. Now you go into the the start of the regular season. Nick Foles is is back as your starting quarterback. Carson Wentz not yet cleared for play. And meanwhile, you got an Atlanta team that. You know, yeah, they they didn't get back to the Super Bowl, but it's not like they fell apart. They were still a ten and six football team that went to the playoffs. I, I think this is going to be a tough, tough matchup for Philly to get themselves right to play this game. You know, I do too. The Super Bowl hangover is real, and there's a reason that there's only a few teams that have ever repeated. There's only a few teams that even get back to the playoffs after participating, you know, in the Super Bowl, both winners and losers. I mean, it's just hard. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of reasons. I think, I mean, when you look at it, obviously wear and tear on your body is a legitimate concern. So that's part of it. I think there's part of it that some guys are just sated by success. Like I got a ring. Now I want to play for money, right? I got my ring. I'm looking for money. And that's a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe to lose games in the fourth quarter as opposed to winning games. Like, you're going to lay it on the line when you're trying to get the ring. When you got it, some guys are okay with like, yeah, you know what, I got a ring. We're good. Like, I'm just looking for money. I think oftentimes what happens is like, hey, I helped you get a world championship. Now it's your chance to pay me. And you can't pay everybody. And so there becomes sometimes a, a, some animosity between the front office and, and the players, you know. So I think that's part of it. 
I, I think some guys get on the, you know, the speaker circuit. Hey, I'll work out tomorrow. Like, I'm going to go celebrate, you know, my championship, and I'm getting paid to go here, and I got a national commercial over here, and this is great over here. And you lose a little bit of that focus and attention to detail. I was a member of, of back-to-back championship teams here in Denver, and, and I'll tell you, there was one catalytic event that led us to that, and that was a loss the year before to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs, a team we clearly should have beaten, 13-3, and three, number one seed overall. And the reason it was so catalytic and, and the reason it was such, a, uh, such an important part of our back-to-back championships is that that loss hurt more, I think, than, than the wins brought us joy. And we looked at ourselves as a team that could have won could have three-peated, like could have won three back, you know, could have won three championships. And so it was devastating. And there wasn't a day that went by. It wasn't from the coaches. It was from the players where if practice wasn't going well or something wasn't, you know, wasn't right, you'd be like, hey, 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 guys, I don't ever want to feel like that again. Like I don't ever want to feel like I felt like after that Jacksonville game. So let's pick this, you know, let's pick this stuff up. And it's amazing. It was it was a driving force through back-to-back championships. And I think that collectively kept us together. But I don't know if it's going to be something that's going to plague them all year. I, I mm. do think I do think it could be an I, issue I, early I, on. I agree with you. Because I, because you know why? Look at the division. Who who's going to really step up and challenge them in that division? Washington, if, right? If the Giants, you, the Giants, Dallas? the Giants would be the one team that you would look at because they've got a solid defense, and if they could fix their old line woes, and if Saquon Barkley is what he is, and and you got a healthy Beckham back, and you can take some of that pressure off of Eli, you could make an argument that the Giants. Yeah, but they are, were so bad last year, stink that they're going to make that kind of a leap. I mean, I mean, I think they, it'll be well, better, uh, but yeah, I make think that kind of a leap to challenge for the division. I don't think it was just players, Mike. I think that's where you get. That's where you get. Um, yeah, where well, you get clouded by by how bad they were last year. I think internally in that locker room, it was I I don't think I know having talked to coaches in that locker room that it was horrible, and that started with McAdoo. Right, McAdoo benched Eli Manning, who had never missed a start, for Davis Webb, who didn't make the team this year. Like you want to talk about dysfunction, so I would say they're the one team that can challenge you. Uh, I think there's two other points about the Eagles. One is you lose good players. People want championship caliber players on their roster, and sometimes you lose guys that you don't necessarily that don't have prominent starting roles, but have really prominent backup special teams kind of glue guy factor guys in your locker room, you lose those guys to other teams, and that ends up weakening you. Like It may be a guy that's just phenomenal giving you a look on offense as the other team's best outside rush linebacker, and he does such a great job preparing your team for blitz pickup and your tackles for what they're going to face. He mimics that other person's rusher, um, and, and you lose that guy to another team, and you don't have that same work during the week. Like, that's a big factor. The other thing that bothers me about the Eagles right now, and I'm with you, I think they'll still be good, but I, I'm I'm really questioning how they start the season. I don't believe in flipping the switch. I don't believe you can play crappy all through preseason and all of a sudden going, hey, we're the world champions, let's just flip the switch. We shall see, but Nick Foles has looked awful. 
You remember if you watched the, the nationally televised game on Fox between them and the Cleveland Browns, it ended up 5 nothing. It was just pathetic. Um, I don't believe all of a sudden you just go, hey, we're the Eagles, you know, or we're the world champions, let's flip the switch. I, I think that disrespect, to have that mentality is a disrespect of the game. Quick thought. Of all the teams that are being talked about in the NFC, watch out for Atlanta. I think Atlanta is is maybe the the best example of a dark horse in that conference. They are a team of all the teams that I called games for last year and all the teams I spent Friday at practice with. They were the most impressive team. One, just pure team speed. If you put a 4 by 100 team together out of all the NFL teams, all 32 teams, I think the Atlanta Falcons win it. Both offensively and defensively, they are they have unbelievable speed. There was no jacking around. They were having fun at practice, but they were working their butts off. And it, there was no lull. I mean, it was a well-oiled machine. Dan Quinn is like a military guy, you know. And but he he appreciates the fun of it. Like this team was connected. They struggled on offense last year, but remember, they lost Kyle Shanahan. Steve Sarkeesian came in as a new offensive coordinator and had tried to adopt all those philosophies. And there's a learning curve that went on early where they just struggled a little bit, and then they kind of got their legs back underneath them late. Um, I, I'm with you. I think this is an interesting team. Um, and I think they're an exceptionally talented team, and I think they're a really well-coached team. I think they've got the right guy. Dan Quinn, to me, um, was one of the more uh, more impressive people that uh, I got a chance to meet with while calling games last year. So I'm taking the Falcons. Yeah, me too. Which means congratulations, Philly. Yeah. Because, you know. Can we both be right? Okay, wait a minute. That let's, right, right off the right off the gate. All right, so now let's do this for tomorrow's podcast. I don't know about you, Mike, but I think they flipped the switch. I'm taking the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right either way. Either way, right? There right? you go. So we'll you know we'll do another podcast tomorrow, and and whichever way it plays out, it's like this never happened. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I love about this business. Like when I picked games back in the day when I worked for ESPN and I had a pick on ESPN.com and then ESPN News and then Mike and Mike and that, I just changed my picks all the time. Like somewhere I was going to be right. Like I just say, what did I do last time? I took the Eagles last time, I'm taking Atlanta this time. And just in the same week, I'd flip them all over the place and somewhere I could compile a 16-0 record. <laughs> beautiful. It's beautiful. Brilliant. All right, that's it for the Stinky Truth Podcast. For my host, uh, guest, or uh, co-host, Mike Evans, I am Mark Schlereth, Scott Huff, producer. Thank you so much. And for our presenting sponsor, Core Water, thank you guys for being a part. And I'm telling you what, I drink it all the time. I absolutely love it. Give it a whirl, man. The uh, Core Water bottle with the big blue cap, you're going to love it. I'm telling you what, it is delicious. For everybody involved with the Stinky Truth Podcast, we'll talk to you again uh, in the very near future. Thank you.